0: You know, I think the interesting thing about this entire journey I've been on with my son is that it led me to now help others. You know, sometimes when something awful happens to you, that very situation propels you to want to give back.
1: And that's Suanne Gran on this episode of Time to Sing Your Song. If you have children, your Number one priority is their health and safety. There's not even a close second. It was certainly the case for Sue Ann Grand. After several years of trying to have kids, she gave birth to triplets, three boys. Although they were healthy out of the gate, one of her boys suffered intense stomach pains. The doctors placated Sue Ann. They told her, there's nothing really wrong. Don't overreact. Just have him take his medications. But Sue Ann's intuition told her something very different. She knew that something was off. And it finally came to a head when her son was rushed into surgery. where He lost two-thirds of his blood. Sue Ann's son is doing great now, but it was a pivotal moment in her life. Not only did it teach her to never go against her gut, but it was also the catalyst for an unlikely career change. Sue Ann knew that she couldn't go back to her career in communications. Her calling was to serve and help people. So she took a risk and went on a journey of self-reflection and learning serendipitously finding her dream job in a natural wellness company focused on essential oils and supplementation. Check out my conversation with Sue Ann to hear the full story where she talks about finding space to hear what your intuition is really telling you. Discovering your life's calling through adversity. The impact of following your dreams on others, most notably your kids. The deep relationships you create when you share your story. And finally, recognizing that life will always be hard, so you might as well pick the hard that you love. As you listen to our conversation, I'd encourage you to think about three questions. First, what is your intuition telling you right now? And are you listening to it or are you ignoring it? Second, if you had the confidence that it would all work out, what would you do with your life? And finally, what behavior are you modeling to friends and family? And if you're a parent, are you giving your kids the confidence to chase their dreams? Okay, a little bit of housekeeping. First, I am not hitting you up with advertisements and commercials, and that's because I don't want anything to get in the way of sharing these stories with you. But if I were to be honest, I'm just starting out, and it's not like I'm being bombarded with offers. I'm just messing. But I do have a few simple asks. Go to Apple Podcasts and give Time to Sing Your Song a review. It really helps in bringing awareness to these awesome stories like Sue Ann's. Please share the podcast with your family, friends, and even colleagues. You can also subscribe to my weekly Time to Sing Your Song newsletter if you're interested in getting a heads up on new episodes. I also share other ideas, insights, and resources. So if you're interested, go to Time to sing your song dot. Beehive.com forward slash subscribe. And Beehive is B E E H I I V. Finally, if you have an incredible story where you are singing your song or know someone who is, hit me up on social media Mike Kearney on LinkedIn and M Kearney33 on Twitter. You can even email me at Mike at TimeToSingYoursong.com. So let's get to it. My conversation with Sue Ann. Sue Ann Gran, welcome to Time to Sing Your Song.
0: Thank you so much, Mike. It's great to be here.
1: Let's go back a few years. I think it's actually several years ago where you almost lost one of your boys. Tell me what happened.
0: I did. Oh, goodness. We have come a long way. I have triplet boys and I'm happy to say that they are going to be graduating high school in just less than two months and they're all happy and healthy and thriving. But one of our boys, um, kind of came home from the hospital right after, you know, having triplets, they were premature, um, but they were just considered feeders and growers, healthy little boys. And, um, they came home from the hospital and he had what my pediatrician referred to as a sluggish metabolism. So that just mm. means that he had a hard time with output. He had the inability to move his bowels. <laughs> it's a sensitive topic, but in a, in a normal way. And as a mom, you know, that was a big concern. And this was something that we worked on every day of his life. And intuitively, I knew that wasn't normal. Um, and the doctor just really wasn't concerned because, again, he said I was comparing to my other two children, right, who are the same age. Uh, but this really became a big problem in our lives. It was something we had to work at all the time. When he got a little bit older, he would miss school We were going through a lot of aggressive cleanses. Um, We were seeing specialists. We were keeping food elimination diets. We went gluten-free. And ultimately, at one point when he was seven years old, he just started keeling over in pain. He would be at a Cub Scout hiking event, and he would just be doubled over in pain. And so that's when We really started seeing a specialist. I guess we went through about 70% of the testing, and that specialist up and moved out of the country. And we were stuck having to find a new specialist and being on a waiting list. And after being on a six-month waiting list and doing all my own research, um, we finally found someone new who put him on a very aggressive cleanse. And um, he was bleeding rectally, and he had Mm. lost almost two-thirds of his blood, and we wound up having to have an emergency surgery that was six and a half hours long, and um, it was very, very scary, Mike. And um, I just remember in that moment, and we were at Children's Hospital Oakland for about eight days, and I just remember after that emergency surgery and, you know, he had a blood transfusion and all of these things were happening so quickly. I just remember going to sleep one evening where I kind of thought the coast was clear, but I wasn't sure. And I just begged God, you know, like we do in our own human way, you know, please, if you spare me, my son, I will dedicate the rest of my life to advocating for other moms. And being that encouraging voice to have them, encourage them to trust their intuition.
1: So, and you, you said something that is really interesting that I want to go back to. And that is, it sounds like you had an intuitive impulse that just something was off, but you kept going down the path of listening to doctors. Now that you've gone through this experience, because my guess is if you were to do it all over again, you probably would have done something more aggressive early on. Can you talk about, that intuitive impulse and maybe how you would do things differently today?
0: Yes, that's right. So that intuitive impulse for me, that intuition, that voice in my head, that voice in my soul, to me, that's the Holy Spirit, right? And I just believe that that voice is always guiding us. And when we don't listen to that inner voice, that's where catastrophic things happen in our lives, right? That's where we have a regret, And for me, maybe I didn't listen to that voice early on enough because I grew up sort of this obedient child, um, respectful, always kind of looking up to adults, you know, being respectful to adults and authority figures and... Um, and respecting doctors, you know, and and just assuming that they were smarter than I was. They knew more. They had more years of education. Um, but I really think there's something to be said for a parent's intuition. Nobody knows your child better than you do. And nobody knows your own body for that matter. You know, for those who are listening and maybe you're dealing with a health priority yourself. You know, maybe it isn't a child, but you are advocating for yourself. I think there is something to be said for that inner voice. And we know our bodies better than anyone, whether you have years of medical experience or not, you know, when something's off. And in the case of my son, I knew something was off early on.
1: Talk about um, just even pulling on that intuition, because just listening to it does not necessarily mean that you need to do something radical, but it's, it's paying attention maybe to these voices or what you're thinking or believing and just pulling on that string.
0: Yes. I love that. I mean, that's that. I'm glad you brought that up. That's true. It's just sometimes we are being called to just notice things, document things, right? Like process things, sit with it a little bit, um, I'm a note taker, right? So I'm going to journal it. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to maybe do some research on it. Um, and it just gives you an a, a moment to pull back. And I think that's a great point. Like medical or otherwise, whatever the situation is, if something doesn't resonate with you right away, it doesn't sit with you right away, you don't have to be forced to make a quick decision. You can always say, all right, I need to ponder that, or I need to do a little bit more research. Let me get back to you on that, you know? And that's kind of what I should have done is I could have gone back to the doctor and done more research and, um, I don't know. And, and really just, I don't want to say demanded. I loved our pediatrician. I think that we did have a good collaboration most of the time, a good synergy, um, but I think I could have gone back and said, hey, this just isn't sitting right with me. I have a few more questions. Or what other options do we have here?
1: I think what you just said is so important. I have a few more questions. Because whenever, I, whenever I've had that intuitive impulse and I haven't listened to it, I've always regretted it. And oftentimes, my intuition is off. But I feel like now, especially, I need to go down that path. And pull on the string, like I was saying, ask the questions, do whatever I need to do to ascertain whether or not my intuition is right or wrong. And I think that's the key message here is that when something just feels off, mm-hmm. don't let it go just because somebody may have a fancier degree or is the expert in the field. Right. One of the things, and I'm certainly not an expert on this, but there is real science behind intuition. It's not like you're just coming up with it, oftentimes it's based on. Millions of micro experiences that you've had over your life and they are essentially helping you determine whether or not something needs to be researched further.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and from a scientific perspective, we know that our emotions and our physical health are connected. So of course your body is sending you, I believe it's my higher power, right? God. But whether you believe in God or not, you probably believe that you have, you know, this own, your own intuition in your own spirit. And I think our body sends us messages all the time to pay attention to. Mm
1: -hmm. And what was the period of time that your son was undergoing these significant pains? And if anybody's had stomach issues, Mm. they know, especially some that you described with your son, they know that that could be horrific. And the fact that he had to take school off, the fact that he had to go on these crazy cleanses as a, as a little boy, oh, gosh, I can feel for him. I mean,
0: it, yes. If you feel, if you've ever felt like you're impacted and you have that problem in particular for weeks on end, like it's excruciating. Um, and so it was really, it was it, as a newborn when he came home from the hospital to finally this emergency surgery, he was seven and a half. He was a second mm. grader. Yeah. It was a really long duration of time. And, you know, I kind of look back and I cringe as a mom that I let it go that long, but honestly I didn't, I mean, I was asking questions from the get-go. I was asking questions and I, I would say, I mean, we were already addressing this with a healthy diet when he was a newborn, you know, constantly it was, you know, getting prune juice in his milk when he was little, um, looking at, you know, of course, having triplets, I breastfed, Mm -hmm. but I, I supplemented as well with, um, with formula. So like finding a different formula that helped him, um, you know, leafy greens and, and whole foods and raw foods and vegetables. Like we were really natural, Uh, To this day, he's such a great eater. You know, all my kids are. We've learned some good skills through this to utilize food as medicine. You truly are what you eat. So that did set us, I guess the silver lining of this is that all along, you know, we had a pretty clean diet and great nutrition on board for us. But ultimately, in this scenario, we did require medical intervention. We did need an emergency surgery. And again, my intuition was spot on, you know, way back in the very beginning days when he was very young. um, I I knew it was a blockage and that's exactly what it was, Mike. It wound up being an intestinal blockage, something that needed to be removed um, from the small intestine, a flap of skin that was impeding him to have, um, you know, this normal type of human experience right normal um output so again the sluggish metabolism you know you, you shouldn't be born with that if you are right. that's, there's something wrong um, and so yeah then this just is really what led us on a path of natural health
1: one of the key things that i hear you saying is that doctors play an important role this is not oh, doctors don't know what they're doing. You should find alternative paths. No, they were the ones that in many respects saved your son. But I think you also believe that you need to pay attention to your gut instinct. You need to look at other um, supplementary remedies. And so I guess the question I have for you, because this is becoming a theme weirdly in recent episodes, is this whole idea of like listening to your doctors and. And so what advice if somebody is listening to this Would you have for listening to your doctors, but also going down a journey of other means to help you get well?
0: Well, I think what this boils down to is that there needs to be a partnership. You're Mm. in charge. You're in charge of your body, your own health. You need to feel empowered as a parent, you're their advocate. That's the number one thing you can do. Your number one responsibility as a parent is to keep your child healthy and safe. We cannot give that power away. So, you know, initially there were several doctors who led us astray or they just weren't paying attention enough. The first couple of specialists didn't get it right. You know, our pediatrician, Passed it off that it was just a sluggish metabolism. So ultimately, it took me for years to advocate and say, uh uh-uh, uh, this isn't right. So this was a journey that we were on. I mean, we did the food elimination diets and the diaries, the food diaries and the research. I did that pretty much on my own, even though a lot of the doctors didn't think nutrition had anything to do with it, you know? And, um, it wasn't a nutrition or you know finding right. the blockage it really getting him on a really healthy diet did help about 80% of the problem going gluten free i mean he was getting better so it wasn't like all or nothing but ultimately we needed that intervention too right and i needed finally uh, i mean ultimately it was the doctor who really helped us the most was that doctor who was working in the ICU and said, "Uh uh-huh, I think this is what we're looking at. It was called um, Meckel's diverticulatum. And that that was a very kind of obscure thing that we were dealing with. And this is the, the first doctor who really figured it out. And so when we had the emergency surgery, that's what they were looking for.
1: Was there ever a moment when you lost hope?
0: Never. Because as a mama bear, I mean, you you can't afford to lose hope. You've got this person who their entire life depends on you. And no way. I mean, I was a fighter all the way. It was like I would get frustrated. I would lose momentum in the journey and go, gosh, like I don't know what more to do. There were moments where I didn't know how to proceed how to get the attention of the specialist we needed because my son was kind of slipping through the cracks. There were some specialists who he was too healthy that they wouldn't see him. And then there were some specialists where he was too sick. So he was kind of falling, you know, in the middle. And, you know, even though we lived in uh, the Bay area where there's some well, you know, renowned hospitals, I couldn't get them to see us. So again, that was another thing where I just had to fight to be seen.
1: When we had talked offline, you made a comment where I I jotted it down. And I want to ask you about this. You had said that you had low self-esteem to change things. And I don't think you're the only one. So I'm curious why you said that and then what you've done to capture kind of this confidence that you do now have.
0: Yes. So I think, and my mother is terrific, so I'm not throwing her under the bus. (laughs) I think it's that generation before us where they would seek information externally, going back to what we said earlier that, you know, we're not the experts. Oh, we certainly couldn't be smart enough to know all the answers. So I was always seeking information validation externally. And through this journey and my own health journeys, I have realized that you can trust that intuition. You can look internally for answers. Now, that isn't to say that I don't do a ton of research. There are a lot of holistic health professionals and some more mainstream um, or integrative physicians that I really look up to. Um, And so I'm constantly doing my research. You know, I think the interesting thing about this entire journey I've been on with my son is that it led me to now help others. You know, sometimes when something awful happens to you, that very situation propels you. To want to give back. And this was the situation I was in going back to those eight excruciating days at Oakland Children's Hospital. I remember, you know, going to bed in on the cot in my son's room and just begging God, you know, if you save my son, I will minister to other parents. I will minister to other parents and teach them, encourage them, to trust their, their own intuition, to be their own healers in their own home. And, you know, I was praying, let me be an advocate for these people. Well, fast forward to about a year and a half after this hospital stay and this you know, almost losing my son, I went to a class and the person teaching it, it was an essential oils class, and she introduced herself as a wellness advocate. And I knew in that moment that this was what I was meant to be doing.
1: You were invited, my guess is to that class. Did you go to that thinking that this could be a path for you or this is something you're interested in it? Or do you think it was serendipitous? Like what, <laughs> what brought you to it?
0: It's so funny that I look back and think about that moment. So I had been walking with a girlfriend And she knew that we were eating naturally and we had just gone through this ordeal with my son and that I was kind of looking for other ways to be more natural. We had a lot of different things. We had some gastrointestinal things, some hormonal things, some, um, you know, mild, um, you know, anxious feelings, shall I say, um, some sleep issues. And um, we had a lot of things going on. And so I would talk about that with my girlfriend. And she said, well, have you ever heard of essential oils? And I kind of poo-pooed it, honestly. I said, well, you know, I've used them before, but a lot of times, you know, you're in this health food store and you see a sea of maybe a hundred different types of lavender. And how do you know which one to use? And I don't know. Sometimes I think that you know, maybe they mildly work, but another time I go back and I try another essential oil, like the same brand. And then I swear it gives me a headache. It smells so toxic. Mm. And she's like, well, this particular brand, I think you'll really like it. Just come to the class. And I was thinking to myself, oh gosh, Lori, like, is it one of those party things? Am I going to go? And is it one of those MLM party things? You know? Am I going to be
1: sold to where I feel compelled? <laughs> Do I have to buy stuff? Yeah. Like I, so it. I
0: wasn't really looking forward to it, honestly. And I wanted to back out. Things were so busy. I was getting ready to travel the next day. I had a million things going on. My mother-in-law was coming into town um, to help me take care of the kids while my husband and I went away. And um, I thought, nope, I committed to going. I'm going to go. She probably cleaned her house and has food and wine. You know, I can go. I'll buy something, right? And I go, and the person teaching the class introduces herself as a wellness advocate. And she knew so much about the oils and the science behind the oils and the purity of these particular oils, And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this really could be the thing that I, the very thing I was praying for. And it turned out it really has been, it's been a great vehicle for me to help people to become healers in their own home and to trust their own intuition and to take back some of that power. Um, When we have oils in our home, you know, for about 80 to 90% of the things that come up, they're on the ready. So I'm not having to run to urgent care. I'm not Mm. having to um, you know, go and buy, pick something up over the counter that probably isn't going to work and it's just going to expire, cost a ton of money, and I wind up going to urgent care the next day, anyways. So, this has changed that cycle for us to the point where we really have only been doing well checks the last seven and a half years. And it has led to so many other good things in our lives, just wonderful relationships and and kind of back to your original question, it's also led us to wonderful personal development. I mean this is a personal development company. So I have learned a lot about myself um, learned a lot about leadership, learned a lot about you know how to ask better questions um, mm. when things come up for my family.
1: So was it a intentional pivot at the time? Like I really need to do something different or did you kind of walk into it and say, Oh my gosh, this is my thing.
0: No, not at all. It was just a gift. It was just a revelation for me. It wasn't intentional at all. I mean, honestly, I stumbled into it. Um, I, I was praying for, To be able to go back to work in some capacity, Mm. though, my husband in the Bay Area, and I know you lived there for a while, so, you know, (laughs) it's it's a dog eat dog pace. And he had an hour and 40 door to door commute in Silicon Valley. It was grueling. And I wanted to be able to supplement our income enough to the point where I could bring him home so that he could go back to what he loved, which was going back to a startup. And he, not working for the larger company. And so that was intentional that I was looking for a way to go back, but I knew I did not want to go back to TV news. I knew I did not want to go back to running my own marketing consultancy or, you know, schlepping into San Francisco and working for corporate communications. So those are all the things I had done in the past. So I was open to something new, but again, I had a pretty negative. Taste in my mouth about multi level marketing, direct sales, like not wanting to sell to my friends. But when I went to that class, I saw how different it really was because I could feel the purity of the intention of this person that she was just educating. So, really, I feel like I'm more of an educator. I'm a, and I did go and get my holistic health coaching certification. So, I feel like I'm intelligently teaching people how to use natural solutions as an alternative to things they would otherwise buy. You know, and the thing was, I used to be super allopathic. If there was something wrong, I would just pop a pill, right? But that kind of went against my grain as a mom. I remember my grandmother, she was what what my mother and I would call as poor as a church mouse, right? She did not have um, a lot of money at all. And growing up, if we had a tummy ache, She would give us, we would chew on some peppermint from her garden or some ginger root, you know, and she was using apple cider vinegar and lemon, um, those types of things for our health. And she was pretty natural. So this really kind of felt like it was part of my DNA when I found something natural. I'm like, yes, like this is the way it should be. Why not use the origin of medicine, going back to natural medicine before pharmaceuticals. So this was a drastic shift, both from a lifestyle standpoint and a career standpoint, for sure.
1: But what's interesting is there is this connection back to when you were a young girl, where this was part of your family and kind of who you guys were. And so maybe it was there the whole time and you just rediscovered it later in life.
0: Right. I mean, we kind of got away from it. You know, and yeah. it, and again I think it's because it it got I think we got away from it because we were seeking information externally.
1: Right. It goes back to that though, point, yeah.
0: That's right. And like going back to the 70s and the 80s, you didn't have doctors talking about nutrition. You didn't have doctors talking about natural solutions as much. Um it, As pharmacology became more and more prevalent, um, you know, everything became synthetic. I mean, I even remember my grandmother would clean with just vinegar and water. And now that's how we clean. You know, we go back to just using like borax and washing powder and... Just very simple things, um, lemon, essential oil, you know, we keep it really basic. And I educate people now on how to save a ton of money and be a lot more natural and empowered, right? Um, have you ever, you know, been washing your bathroom, cleaning your bathroom, and you're about to pass out because the fumes are so noxious, right. right? Like that isn't <laughs> good for your respiratory health, It's not health, good for right? us, yes. It's not good. So again, it's, it's going back to trusting the intuition, and there's so much greenwashing in the industry. And that's the the hardest part is learning that we need to be our own advocates. We need to ask the questions and we need to read the labels and learn because now I'm learning that a lot of the products that are marketed as clean and green natural cleaning products really are, in fact, owned by uh, the likes of big pharma companies and um, they're just marketed as green. Totally, so, it, like there's a, there is a
1: there is a big disconnect between the marketing and actually what truth is in many of these products, foods. It's it's amazing,
0: and that's why I am so blessed to be aligned with a company that truly is transparent, does all the research. We have a quality standard that we created in an industry of essential oils where it did not ever exist. So it's certified pure tested grade essential oils and if uh, if we cannot create something sustainable, if we cannot have something that's a hundred percent pure, then you know we'll have it be on a back order until we can recalibrate and figure it out and I I love that commitment, you know.
1: I'm going to drill down a bit more on this big pivot you did, because there is a lot of conversation nowadays around second acts. Uh, There's a book, I think it's uh, Strength to Strength from Arthur Brooks, I want to say. I read it, so I should know the damn author. Uh, But this whole notion of doing something uh, different in your second act. And in many respects... Um, that's what you've done. Like you are doing something wildly different and while you could potentially trace it back to your grandma and some of your early experiences, you know, you certainly aren't in the communications business anymore. So somebody that's listening, there's a lot of people, maybe there's a better way of saying there's a lot of damn people out there that are like, I really want to do something different. And maybe I don't have the expertise or maybe it's not even something that I ever knew I had an interest in, but I'm being pulled to do it what advice would you have for them?
0: Oh, gosh, I resonate with everything you're saying. In fact, um, I was just at a leadership training last week for my company. And um, someone, an expert from Gallup was there. Mm. And he was saying the same thing that you're saying. And I mean, the statistics are staggering. I think um, less than 20 to 25% of people in the workplace are actually happy. Um, And it actually could be. Don't quote I think me. they
1: yeah, kidding. I don't know if he said it this, but 71%. So I'm doing the inverse okay. are disengaged from work. 71%, wow. 71%, which is basically not happy. Yeah. You know, the, the 20 what that's mind blowing, isn't it?
0: It's true. So I think what is happening is people are continuing to do work that does not fulfill them or bring them joy or lead them closer to their purpose simply because of a couple of things. I think one of those things is fear, fear of the unknown. Like, what if I fail? What if I cannot get a sustainable income from this? Like, what if I cannot pay my bills or, you know, afford our current lifestyle? Um, You know, what if this causes me to have to I don't know, downgrade my lifestyle, move into something smaller or move away. So I think there it boils down to people being so afraid to make a change because of the fear of the unknown instead of saying, look, I feel this. I feel this in my heart. I feel this in my soul. I need to trust my intuition. I'm not happy. And, you know, what about going back to parenting? What about encouraging the future generation? if you're showing your child that you're not willing to make a change, how are they ever going to feel comfortable doing that? You know, And I would just hate to think that we're going to encourage our family to stay in a situation where they don't feel fulfilled or comfortable um, because that can lead to dis-ease, right? That's going to lead to if you're emotionally unhappy – it's only a matter of time until that affects your physical health as well. So I would just encourage people to to think of yourself as this holistic being. And if you're not happy doing what you do and you don't feel like it's moving you closer to your purpose in life and giving back to others, like there's so much joy in doing something that can benefit other people. And if you are not in a field that creates good in the world, then really what is it worth like yes i'm i'm a realist we have to pay our bills absolutely but i do believe that if you follow your dreams you the income will follow
1: well and you're making a really good point that i've never thought about before and that is it's not just about you so the the whole idea of like going and pursuing something that you feel pulled to is important and when i've always thought about that it's been all about me Like, this is something I need to do, or maybe I don't. But what you're also saying is your kids are watching you. Your kids are watching you potentially give up on your dreams. Your kids are potentially watching you say, Well, I need to be a pragmatist. That's too much risk. I can't do it. And the problem now, and I actually, this is probably one of my biggest concerns uh, with my kids, is them ending up in something that they're miserable in, even if they make good money, because I know a ton of people who make a crazy amount of money. And are miserable, yeah. And especially with kids, kids have the ability to start where there's less risk. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have three kids, four kids, whatever it may be. They can try some different things out, and then you know it all gets back to the whole notion of college, which I've kind of been um, on the bandwagon of, like being super, being super curious, and trying to figure out what you want to do before you go drop hundred. $200,000, $250,000 on college because you may end up in a spot where you've got this great degree, you got a great job, but you're not happy with life.
0: Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I laugh because uh, if you've ever taken the Clifton Strengths Finders test, yep. <laughs> uh, responsibility is my number one. So it's mm. never just about me. It's always like, how can I be a good steward in this position? I, I really do feel like the situation with my son years ago was my do-over. It was my wake-up call. It was. I made a, a a pact with God, and I told him, and I and I'm honoring my word. I I promise that if you spare my son, I will use this I'll, as a ministry to, to serve other people. I will become a wellness advocate for others. And so I take that role very seriously. So yes, it's twofold. It's helping other people, um, giving back because we did get that opportunity, that blessing. And I know so many people who are not that fortunate that they've lost children. And I can't imagine anything more awful. Um, and then the other thing is you're right. Your kids are watching. And so, We need to always encourage them to use their God given gifts. I think for all of the listeners out there, you know, take a piece of paper, write down, like, what are all the things you're really good at? What are the gifts, your God given gifts? Not something that you learned, but something that you were born with. We all have those things. We're all so uniquely and wonderfully made. Are you using those gifts to serve this? crazy, broken world that we're in. If not, why not? Because people need you. People need your unique skill set that nobody else has. And I promise you, if you use those things that are truly your gifts, it not only lights your soul on fire, everyone around you will feel it. They know that you authentically are serving from that capacity because it gives you joy and it's going to give others hope to do the same thing. And then what a wonderful domino effect you mm. create in the world
1: i yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. The one thing that you had mentioned before, which I think is is important, is you paid attention to the moment, and you did a big pivot when your son got sick. and you listened, which a lot of times people listen in the moment. And I've thought about this a lot because I think everybody has a moment. It could be, you know, a, uh, a parent passing. It could be somebody getting ill. It could be them getting ill. Mm-hmm. But then oftentimes life just comes back at you and it's like you're back where you were before, but you didn't do that. Why do you think that is?
0: Hmm. I don't know. I think after second-guessing myself for so long... And seeing my son get continually worse, it wasn't... I mean, it was getting better some with the diet. But then we had this cycle that every three and a half weeks, he was doubled over again. I mean, you could time it down to the day. So I just knew that wasn't normal. And I think it was just persistence. I don't know. I think it was just... I don't know my, I don't know if I think?
1: But do you think, well, let me, let me, let me drill down just a bit more. And maybe really what I was getting at is you had a certain life before your son got really ill. And then your life after that, although it took, I think you said a year, year and a half, looked drastically different. And you had said before, like, I paid attention to this moment, my son getting sick, and I changed everything about my life and my family's life. So much so that you're actually doing a job that once again, you probably didn't dream about many years ago. Right. And, and what I've seen is a lot of people have these moments, They have these moments in their lives where in the moment they're like, Oh my God, I've seen everything. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do the work I love. But then for whatever reason, they're pulled back to that old life and they're not happy. Why did you not get pulled back to your old life? I guess maybe that's really the question. Okay. And and I'm asking that because, you know, I'm curious if there's anything that you did that you can impart on others so that they can listen to those moments like you did.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was just that when I made the decision to start helping people with their health, every conversation validated for me That I was helping and serving. When I shared my story, and for everyone listening, there is so much power in sharing your story. When I shared that with people, people kind of came out of the woodwork. Oh my gosh, you know, my child dealt with something similar. Or, you know, and now I was sharing other health concerns that we had had, other priorities, other areas where we felt stuck in our health. And now we were able to. Use natural solutions and it wasn't an issue anymore. I think I just kept getting more and more validation with mm. every conversation and creating this intimate relationship with my customers. You know, I feel like when we were going to the specialist, they would charge hundreds of dollars for maybe a quick seven minute meeting and they never even sat down in the room. They never, even looked at us square in the eyes. And I just it was never feeling heard. My son didn't mm. feel heard. I did not feel heard. And so I wanted to create a relationship with my customers where they felt heard. They felt loved. They felt seen. And that I was, you know, going to be a mystery sleuth <laughs> and help them figure out areas the in their health. Right. Like I was going to invest the time um to really delve deep and help them find answers, you know, like, let's try this. If this doesn't work, I'm going to keep trying with you. And we all need people like that in our lives. I mean, that's what coaches do. Right. And so I got to learn how to be a coach and it has just led me to, you know, I get something out of it too. I've made the most amazing friendships. I've made the most amazing partnerships with other people who feel the way I do and they want to work alongside me and they want to also be wellness advocates and partner up with me. Um, you know, I made an amazing friendship that has also led me to writing a book with someone who started off as a complete stranger. But because I had earned a trip, <laughs> an incentive trip, my husband and I, this is a great story, we were actually standing on a beach in Mexico, waiting for about 45 minutes for a sea doo, you know, like a jet ski, to, oh, yeah. come, to come back. They only had a couple running that day, and you ca- you could rent them. And so we were waiting on the beach, talking to this adorable mother son duo, and they were both wellness advocates together in our company. We became fast friends, and years, um, not years, months later. I was going through some significant grief in my life. And I had seen on his Facebook page that one of his leaders was teaching a class on grief using essential oils. Mm. And I went to that class and thought the class was so amazing that I wanted this this wellness advocate to teach the same class to my entire doTERRA team. I have about 2,000 customers. So I had her teach that. It just got rave reviews. And I said to her, Heidi, this is a book. And she's like, what? And I said, God is putting it on my heart to tell you that this is a book. You need to write this as a book. And she's like, oh, no, you know, I'm an attorney by trade. I don't know. I don't have that creative storytelling ability. And I'm like, well, I believe you do. And really what I didn't tell her, I didn't completely fess up. But God was also whispering, you need to help her. You have a writing background. You can help her, right? And I kind of put it back to God and said, "Oh no, no, no." So, see, in this instance, I. Did so you not listened.
1: Listen. Oh, you well, did Well, you kind of listened, but
0: kind of listened. I, I encouraged her, but I wasn't offering yeah. to help at this point to write the book. So about a year goes by, and we, you know, we keep up with. It one another. And every couple months I would just nudge her like, Hey, how's it going? And it wasn't going right. She wasn't getting very far. And ultimately I'm like, how do you feel about me helping you? And she's like, I thought you would never ask. Well, now we were knee deep in 2020, all things 2020. And you know, everybody was home. I was living in California at the time and we were shut down hard. Nobody was going to school or work Um, you know, you couldn't even leave your home for fear of getting a fine. You know, you could pretty much- Oh, I
1: remember very well (laughs) because I live very close to you, I think.
0: Yeah, so you could go to the bank or the grocery store. That was kind of it. And it was a very depressing time. And so that's when we started writing the book. And we said, you know, we need to give people hope because this book isn't just about helping people work through grief or loss through death. But this is also about all the things we're experiencing in 2020 when things turn out in your life dramatically differently than you anticipated. That's also a form of grief. So we started writing this book together. And we finally finished it and published it in November. And so it's just been out for a few months. And um, it, we just had an opportunity to sign books at Leadership and we sold oh, out cool. of cases of books. People need hope.
1: What's, what's the name? What's the name and where can people find it? Now that you like, people are like, oh, I wanna see this book, I wanna read this book.
0: Yes, it's called Facing the Waves. And it is using essential oils and stories of hope. Mm. And uh, so you can find it on oilsforgrief.com. And we've created a wonderful Facebook community where we post every single day quotes, journal questions. This book it has been a great way for people to continue their journey of healing through grief. So every chapter has a inspirational story. So it is a unique story where we interviewed people going through different types of loss, different types of relationships, different types of grief. And But everyone gives a little nugget of hope, what helped Mm. them through their journey. And then we pair it with key essential oils and journal questions to help them.
1: I love it. It goes back to something you said a few minutes ago about the importance of you sharing your story and how empowering that could be. And quite frankly, that's the whole basis of this podcast is to give people a platform for them to share their story, something that, you know, happened in their life where maybe they got knocked in their ass and then, you know, now they're living this great life. So I, I right. love that. Yes. I do want to ask you a question though. Cause, and, and once again, I'm always trying to find out like, are there little things that people can do? And we got into this conversation uh, and first of all, everybody pick up the book. Um, but the book would not have been possible had you not said, I want to start helping people with their health." And the question I have there is when you made that declaration in your mind, my guess is that's probably before you came to essential oils. Is that right?
0: Yes, I didn't know what that looked like. I knew I wanted to help people, even if it was just being a friend, you know, even if it was just listening to them and listening to what they were struggling with. <laughs> and um, kind of just advising them and and being their cheerleader and saying, you know what, trust your intuition. And, you know, do you need help researching or that kind of thing? So I didn't know what form it was going to take. I knew God would lead me to some something natural. I was praying for a more natural way to care for my family, but I had no idea what that looked like. So when this class happened, I... I guess I wasn't really paying attention. I wasn't even thinking or dreaming that that would be it. But then when I went, I mean, I did kind of get knocked over with a feather. Like it was like, I I definitely knew that night, like, whoa, this is it. I mean, I I just got goosebumps.
1: There's something so important in what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You made a declaration around something that you wanted to do that was broad. I want to help people with their health. You at that moment in time, Did not know exactly how that was going to manifest itself but what you probably began to experience was different paths that you could take where you could take a path try it out figure out if it fit if it didn't move on and i think going back to the original question that i was asking when we got into this is when somebody makes a pivot you don't have to have all the answers and quite frankly you don't even necessarily know need to know exactly what job you're going to do but to go down different paths, try different things out and see what works and what doesn't.
0: Wow. I mean, I'm like sitting here nodding my head because I'm so glad you said that because people ask me about this all the time. You know, that period of time from my son being in the hospital to me finding my thing, right, at this class was a year and a half. Right. And during that year and a half, let's talk about that time. Like that was a time of frustration. It was a time of, you know, come on, like, what's it going to be? And just feeling pretty stuck, honestly. And just, you know, I was just faithfully getting up every day and kind of going through the motions and, you know, maybe doing a little research here and there, but just getting a little bummed out, you know, not finding my thing, but not giving up on that dream and just being prayerful and being open. And, kind of putting myself out there you know i was reading right. books during this time i was researching i was going to different holistic things um, our local grocery store was drager's it's uh it was a family-run uh, grocery store and they were doing they were hosting different types of classes so i was looking into um, like healthier eating they actually taught an essential oils class so i was trying things i was putting myself out there and i was getting pretty dejected and frustrated, but then I think that's why when I did go to this class and I did discover um, this title, Wellness Advocate, that it really resonated with me. And then I went all in. And I think that's, that's when, I mean, I literally said to this person who was a total stranger, she had just taught me this one class, like, how does your company train? How did you learn how to do what you did? Is there a convention coming up? Is there a class? And already she was saying, yeah, I'm teaching a class at my house in LA next week. Want to come? And now it was like, okay, I got to put my money where my mouth is. So I I made it happen. I looked into flights. They were crazy expensive. So I said, all right, like it's maybe six and a half hours drive. I'm just going to leave in the middle of the night. And I did. I left at three in the morning, got on her doorstep, you know, just in time for this full day training to start. And she let me stay at her house. So sometimes it does mean that you're going to be called to take some risks and really trust your intuition. But you know, things aren't going to change if you don't, if you don't go for it.
1: Right. Well, in 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 many respects, your story is somewhat parallel to mine to a certain degree, where when I left Deloitte, I was like, you know what? I like doing two things. and And everything I love can come down into these two categories. I like creating cool shit and I like helping people. <laughs> and I didn't necessarily know how that was going to manifest itself. And I had done a podcast at Deloitte. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll just start talking to people that had been knocked on there. But what I didn't know, though, at the time when I started it, is mine was for the most part in the context of like finding that dream job. But what I'm now being drawn to is real stories like, you know, almost losing a son or, you know, losing a parent uh, that was murdered or divorced, all these different things that, quite frankly, was not within my original plan. But that's just where. It's taken me, which I wow. love. and so to me, I think the the real important point, and I'm just I know I'm hammering this, but for whoever's out there that's like, I want to do something different, don't be attached to the specifics because the specifics may fail miserably, and I have lots of examples with that. Try to figure out kind of what a broader sense of what you want to do is, and I, I purposely avoided purpose because there's so much that's kind of in that word, but like figure out, like you were saying earlier what are your strengths? What are the things you love to do? What do people value? And then start trying a variety of different things. And it's weird because you know this is a cliche, the universe will conspire to help you out, but it's true because you will find that thing, but don't get disgruntled if you don't find it right away.
0: I love that. I, and I love your journey. Thank you for sharing that with me. I think that if you are wanting to make a change, and you don't know what that looks like or how to even begin. Maybe you are like I was when I was younger, and I lacked self esteem. Maybe you do as well. Maybe you don't know what you're good at. Um, one of the recommendations that I have is uh, another book. Okay, it's called it's by Brendan Burchard, and it's called High Performance Habits: it's How Extraordinary People become that way. It was on the New York best time bestsellers list. And what I recommend is you just get an inexpensive notebook and you take it slowly through this book. So don't feel like you have to be a power reader. But what I did, and I did this in 2020 when I had a little extra time, right? And um, a lot of things I used to plan my life in 10 minute increments. Right. And then 2020 happened and we had to talk about pivot. Right. Our favorite word. Um, I had to really change the way I was doing my wellness consults with customers and there was a lot more Zoom. But it it was a blessing that it allowed me more reflection time. And um, I always pick a, a word of the year. And I thought my word in 2020 was going to be breakthrough. And it turns out God kept giving me the word surrender. I just kept hearing that whisper. Nope. The word is surrender. I'm like, Ooh, I don't like that word. That's so passive. I'm an active person. Like surrender. And really it took surrendering and getting quiet and being reflective and getting a PhD in myself. And Mm. so with this book, I took it slowly, and every question Brendan Burchard asked in this book, I would write it out in question form, old school. I'm old school, guys. So I wrote it in my notebook, and I would answer the question. Well, by the end of reading that book, I did know exactly who I was, what I wanted, and where I was going. And since then, we have moved across country. Um, We have a whole new life here. You know, I'm still a wellness advocate. I'm a mom of four teenagers. Um, My husband still commutes across country with his job. Um, So that's been a little bit of a challenge. But I'm very clear on who I am, what I want, and what my priorities were. And in the past, as an achiever, I was just always achieving. And I was kind of bouncing from one thing to the other. Now, I don't commit to things unless they really fit in my categories. You know, it's God, it's family, and then it's my purpose. You know, it's my friends, my purpose kind of all fit into one because I'm serving that community um, with their health and wellness. And now it's this whole additional business, really, of helping people work through grief. And that's their emotional health. If you have, if you're going through grief, it affects your digestion. It affects your immunity. It affects your sleep. It affects, you know, you can have pain. Um, And so it's just helping people heal. That's, and so that's kind of my litmus test. Like, is this helping me move closer to my purpose where I believe God intended me to help people? We, uh, Heidi and I both, my book partner, we've gone through and I, I used to say my young life. No, my, my, uh, my,
1: middle,
0: <laughs> my middle-aged life. Um, you know, in our lives, we've encountered a lot of grief. And um, I think the world is hurting right now. Think about right. what we've all endured the last three years. Um, we're all grieving in, in many respects, loss of people, loss of situations. So, yes, anyways, I digress. Go back to that book. <laughs> Answer the questions answer the questions. And I think that it would be a great guide for people when they really feel like they have to have a starting point. Where, where do you start to make a change and to at least just have that clarity of where, where do I go from here?
1: Okay. Sue Ann, second to last question. And I am going to use a quote of somebody, you know, well yourself, and here's <laughs> what you had said to me. Okay. <laughs> you had said life is really damn hard. I think we all know that. Then you had said, and this is a piece that really intrigued me, you should pick your hard, meaning you have a choice. There's no easy button.
0: There are going to be days that are super hard and you might not find the silver lining. You might just have to get through it and do the best you can. But I think that we all have a choice you can look at your future and hopefully you have some idea of what you want that to look like. You can keep going down the same path you are right now where it's super hard, or you can take a risk um, and try something different. Try something that has the potential to bring you joy and fulfillment. Now it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying that choosing an alternative is going to be any easier, you might have to work an additional job. You might have to work really long hours. You might have to make some big sacrifices in your life um, to be able to carve out the time to learn how to navigate this new thing in your life. But you, you have the opportunity to pick your heart. I look back at my old world in broadcast news. I would never want to go back in a million years to that environment. That was really hard. Yeah, doing what I do now, it was hard in the beginning, you know, carving out, making this whole new transition and figuring out what that looked like for my family. Um, You know, not maybe being a full-time mom anymore. I had to kind of pick and choose the different things that I was going to volunteer for. Um, But ultimately, I'm glad I made that change because our lives are dramatically different and for the better. You know, we never, I probably never would have had, again, it goes back to self-esteem. I never would have had like the strength or the courage of my convictions to move my whole family across country, you know, into the unknown and creating a whole new community here. And new schools with kids who were juniors in high school and a freshman in high school. That was hard, but I'm so glad I did it. Right.
1: Well, I think it goes back to the point, and I think this is maybe a theme, is that anything worth anything in life usually has something hard associated with it. And as you're, as you're given that answer, I wrote something, and this is not like an equation, but it, it's maybe a way for people to think about it. And that is, especially if you're in that 71% where you're you're miserable and you're not committed or connected to your job, would you rather life be hard and you be miserable? Or (laughs) would you rather life be hard and be fulfilled? And I purposely do not use the word happy because that's a loaded word too, but like hard and miserable or hard and fulfilled? Maybe that's the question to ask.
0: Right. And I think that there are moments of of things being hard, but when you're, when you're on the path to use your gifts and help other people and you have that intrinsic motivation. So here's the thing too, when you're doing something that's super hard and life sucking and you're working for someone else um, and maybe it starts to kind of go against the grain of who you are. Maybe it doesn't, right. And it, maybe it doesn't align with your values. That's really hard. Because now you're just biding your time. I mean, how much longer can you really sustain that lifestyle? Whereas if you have intrinsic motivation and you know with every fiber of your being that you're taking this risk because it fills you up and it uses your gifts, then I think you have a greater chance of success because you're going to be motivated on the hard days to keep going.
1: Totally. And, and you know what? There's always so much like, oh, that feels so woo-woo nowadays. Like there's a lot of people that say that. But if you can't answer why you are on this earth and what you are here to do, whether or not you're doing it right now, and maybe you're, you're positioning yourself so you could do it long-term, but, but, but that's, that's problematic because that means you're just kind of navigating life, uh, sleepwalking through life maybe is the best way of saying it. And that's not a good place to be. So final question, Sue Ann. What's a song that brings to life the journey that you've been on?
0: There's a couple. I was just trying to whittle it down, but I think um, (laughs) today's song, today's theme song would be um, just in context with what we were talking about is Hmm. by Mercy Me and it's called Dear Younger Me. Dear Younger Me. Why did
1: you pick that? Why did you pick that song?
0: Because I think that we all have those moments of reflection where you look back and you wish that your younger self would have known then what you know now. And I think it's okay. It's okay to think that if you had that wisdom back then that maybe things would have changed out, changed for the better. But I do believe that we're all on a journey for a reason. So we can be confident in knowing that if we feel that we went down the wrong path, every day is a new day to start over. So that song encourages me, dear younger me. And it's sort of like a love, a love song to yourself. So I think what I'd love to end with is think about your younger version of yourself. Think, you know, acknowledge maybe some mistakes, maybe, um, some paths that you took that maybe you regret and, um, and use that to say, all right, I'm not going to beat myself over that anymore. The past is the past today. I start now for my future. What can I, what can I learn from and how can I move forward?
1: I love the fact that you talked about this notion that we're all on this journey. And, and I think really what this entire conversation, and quite frankly, a lot of the conversations that I've had on a time to sing your song is about making sure that you go on that journey because part of the challenge is sometimes people stay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher metaphor. So I'll just say, sometimes people won't even get on the freeway. So now I'm, I'm keeping with the journey theme, but it's, it is, it's like get on that journey do the things so that you're living life to the fullest, Um, figure out where you want to go and the likelihood like you did, when you figured out that I want to help people with their health, you ultimately figured out exactly what you wanted to do. So I appreciate that answer.
0: And it feels really good. I think we're all always on that quest for balance, right? Mm. You want that work life balance. I mean, I don't, pretend to have everything figured out but I can look at my life right now and think I have really good balance in my life right now I'm not doing anything that I don't have to do or that I don't want to do and I am living out my purpose and I feel pretty clear about that I am in relationship I am when I'm with my family I am present with my family when I'm with my customers and my friends I'm present in the moment with them and in my leaders, I am present in those conversations. And I think that confidence and that joy comes from being very clear about who you are and what you want.
1: I love this. And we are going to end on the statement that you said, and who doesn't want to achieve this in their life? It feels really good. And if you could get to that place where you're like, life feels pretty good. Life is pretty damn good. Sue Ann, thank you so much. Oh, this has been you. a lot of fun.
0: Thank you. I hope this serves. I hope that this really resonates to people. I, I trust that the right people will be listening to receive this message. So thank, me. thank you so much. Um, thank you so much, Mike, for letting me be a part of this. Well,
1: wow, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much, Sue Ann. There are so many things that I loved about your story. Everything from trusting your gut to using a challenge in your life to get clear on the work you were meant to do. If you are new to Time to Sing Your Song, I hope you're able to take away some nuggets of wisdom from Sue Ann. And if you like my conversation with Sue Ann, go back to past episodes to hear other amazing stories of rock bottom and redemption. Big thank you to everyone who listens to Time to Sing Your Song. Thank you for being part of this community I am building. My goal really is to help everyday people like you and me use the hard times as a catalyst to create a life that we are all meant to live. Until next time, start singing your song today because as the anonymous quote goes, when tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever. In its place is something you have left behind. Let it be something good.